Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, August 18th. A notable birth happened on this date all the way back in the year 1587. Virginia Dare became the first child of English parents to be born in present-day America. She was born on what is now Roanoke Island, North Carolina. There is, unfortunately, a dark footnote to her story. The Roanoke colony ended up mysteriously disappearing. And on this date in 1963, James Meredith became the first black student to graduate from the University of Mississippi. Now let's head over to the first alert weather desk for your Thursday forecast. And good Thursday morning to you. Slight chance of rain as you head out the door this morning. Grab the umbrellas just in case. Temperatures starting out very comfortable around 70. We'll be in the low 80s at lunchtime, low to mid 80s for highs this afternoon. More clouds and sun again today. And along with the chance of some scattered showers and downpours. Kids get out of school if you have any evening plans as well. Just keep an eye out for that. We'll have another decent chance of rain on Friday and then some scattered storms as we head into the weekend. High temperature tomorrow around 84. We'll be a little bit warmer with more sunshine over the weekend. Highs in the upper 80s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org slash careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. Here's a look at those headlines. Justices with the South Carolina Supreme Court have unanimously temporarily blocked the state's fetal heartbeat law. The vote comes after Planned Parenthood and the Greenville Women's Clinic sued. Yeah, that unanimous ruling temporarily blocks enforcement of the law that bans most abortions in the state after six weeks. In a statement, South Carolina's Attorney General Alan Wilson says, while we are disappointed, it's important to point out this is a temporary injunction. The court did not rule on the constitutionality of the fetal heartbeat law. We will continue to defend the law, end quote. The president and CEO of Planned Parenthood South Atlantic says she applauds the court's decision, saying in a statement, quote, The court has granted our patients a welcome reprieve, but the fight to restore bodily autonomy to the people of South Carolina is far from over. No matter what happens, we will never stop fighting for our patients' right to make their own decisions about their bodies and futures. Governor Henry McMaster's office released a statement about the court's decision, and it reads in part, we always knew that we would need to fight to defend the Fetal Heartbeat Act. We successfully did so in the federal court system, and we're confident that we will prevail in state court. Democratic nominee for Governor Joe Cunningham also released a statement. He says, quote, the South Carolina Supreme Court's unanimous decision to block the six-week abortion ban is great news for the people of South Carolina. This blatant government invasion of privacy should have never become law, and I am relieved to see the court put it on hold. That ruling comes as a group of state senators heard testimony for the first time since Roe versus Wade overturning nearly two months ago. Now, on what changes they should make to South Carolina's abortion law. The Senate Medical Affairs Committee heard two, nearly two dozen speakers on abortion yesterday. And speakers who say they were born from these circumstances or chose to have a child after being sexually assaulted pled with senators to keep those exceptions 
is out of legislation. On the other side, several doctors, including OBGYNs and pediatricians, they also spoke against tighter abortion restrictions. The House of Representatives is already set to start floor debate in two weeks on a near ban on abortions. Meanwhile, a federal judge has ruled that abortions are no longer legal after 20 weeks of pregnancy in North Carolina. A U.S. District Court judge said getting rid of Roe v. Wade erased the legal foundation for the 2019 ruling that placed an injunction on that 1973 state ban. The ban does make exceptions for urgent medical situations. With those, you could still get an abortion. But it's still igniting a firestorm of debate, and some see this as the erosion of basic health care rights for women. A new partnership will help link veterans and service members to jobs. Governor Henry McMaster has signed the U.S. Army Partnership for Your Success, or PAYS Agreement. PAYS guarantees service members up to five job interviews and possible employment after their service in the Army. It connects service members with employers who understand the skills, discipline, and work ethic that military service members can bring to a business. This program is part of a long-term Army effort to encourage business owners to look at the Army as a recruiting source. And we've learned over the years that people who go into the service come out with skills, insights, knowledge, training, and attitudes that uh, are sometimes uh, rare. Uh, it's that uh, they are good citizens, they're wonderful employees, they're patriotic. And so anything that we can do to help those those people to see that that talent and that experience is not wasted. Since the program began in 2000, more than 1,100 employers have become partners. A man is facing charges after deputies say a landscaping nursery in Beaufort was robbed back in February. 37-year-old Andrew Brown is charged with one count of armed robbery. Beaufort County Sheriff's deputies responded to Old Jericho Road on February 17th after an armed robbery occurred. According to an incident report, employees told deputies that a man who claimed he was armed with a gun robbed the business of cash before leaving the area. The sheriff's office says through DNA evidence, they forensically linked Brown to the robbery and served him a warrant yesterday for the charge. Charleston police say a 15-year-old is being charged with one count of murder and one count of armed robbery in an August 12th shooting. According to police, officers were called to the Bridgeview Apartments just after 1.30 a.m. last Friday for a shooting. Officers found 31-year-old Jasmine Benjamin, who had been shot at least once. She died at the scene. Because of his age, the 15-year-old's name has not been released. Police say that investigation is ongoing. Yesterday marked day two of a triple murder trial in Colleton County. Kenneth Chisholm is charged with killing two adults and a child, as well as injuring another child in a 2017 shooting. Yesterday, jurors heard testimony from sled agents and Colleton County investigators who worked the case. The trial is expected to last through later this week. Chisholm, who was 19 at the time of his arrest, has repeatedly denied being the person responsible for the Miller's deaths and injuries. He's also charged with murder in a 2016 shooting that left two Colleton County people dead. 
Former Lowcountry attorney Alec Murdoch's legal team is blasting prosecutors for not sharing evidence with them. Murdoch was charged in July with two counts of murder for the shooting deaths of his wife and son. His lawyers say the law requires them to have access to evidence by now. Tuesday, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin filed a motion to compel, asking the court to get the attorney general's office to turn over evidence. They say they haven't been able to start putting their case together and the deadline of 30 days has passed Monday. They're calling the state's proposed motion to file a protective order over evidence a de delay tactic. They want the trial to start in January, but say the lack of information might prove that difficult. Court documents show attorneys for Tiger King star Doc Antle requested his upcoming pre-trial conference be delayed from August 30th. Antle is accused of federal wildlife trafficking and money laundering. The continuance filed also requests the jury selection scheduled to begin on September 30th be delayed. In the motion to continue, Doc Antle also waived his right to a speedy trial. It appears the motion was granted because the pretrial conference and the jury selection have been canceled. Antle has pleaded not guilty in a federal wildlife trafficking case. He's accused of illegally trafficking animals like lemurs, cheetahs, and a chimpanzee. Well, back in 2019, Dorchester County passed a referendum to build three new libraries in the county for $30 million. In just a few hours, they will break ground on the second newest library on Bacon's Bridge Road in Somerville. Our Lauren Quinlan joining us now. And Lauren, what will this library provide for the community there? Dorchester County officials say this new library will tell a story and blend the outdoors with education because of its unique design. The new Oak Brook Library at the Ashley River is in a historic location on Bacon's Bridge Road. Dorchester County Council member Jay Byer says they will be able to connect the library with the Ashley River Park across the street that opened earlier this year. They are looking to expand the park further up the Ashley River and create a tunnel and trail under the road for easy access to and from both locations. Byer says this project allows for a unique concept that will blend in with the natural environment that wouldn't be possible in a more urban downtown area. You've got opportunities in new libraries to create modern libraries. You don't have rows of encyclopedias anymore. You know, now it's education spaces, uh, study room spaces, media places, teen places, kid places, large community meeting rooms. These are things that the county doesn't have. So this is going to be a library of the future, which is really important. After breaking ground, officials expect the library to be up and running no later than the fall of 2023. The new Oakbrook Library project is the second of three new locations. Officials broke ground on the first in North Charleston last month, and Byers says they are finalizing a location for the last one in downtown Somerville. This groundbreaking ceremony is today. It starts at 10 a.m. and it's open to the public. For that address, just click on this story on Live5News.com or the Big Red Box. Reporting live in Somerville, Lauren Quinlan, Live5 News. Well, thousands of people living in Charleston's Eastside neighborhood could see improvements to drainage as the city gets to work on a multi-million dollar infrastructure project. The $10 million project is expected to help reduce flooding from Meeting Street to the west out towards East Bay Street. Now, Charleston Stormwater Management Director says the city is looking to increase the size of pipes underneath some of those roadways to handle more rain when it or water when it rains. Right now, he says the water cannot get out because the small pipe sizes it, it pulls in the street. Officials say they hope to start construction on those pipes in 2024.
A project created by one nonprofit is hoping to bring some upgrades to the Charleston Animal Society. The Jackson Galaxy Project, a program by Greater Good Charities, has designed renovation plans for the cat spaces at the shelter. Operation Catification seeks to improve the lives of cats at risk and help the people who care for them through innovative initiatives. Now, through August 23rd, the Rescue Rebuild team and local volunteers from the North Charleston area will help renovate various cat spaces at Charleston Animal Society. Some of those renovations will include new cat cubbies, perches, and scratchers to encourage adopters to spend time with adoptable cats. Some golfers are criticizing the lack of restrooms on the Charleston Municipal Golf Course. They say the two portable restrooms are unsanitary and inadequate for the number of people who use the course. Molly McBride joining us live. And Molly, you spoke to one of the people who spoke out about the issue at a city council meeting on Tuesday. What did she have to say? What people are asking for both at the city council meeting on Tuesday and in a petition going around online is for the city to install permanent restrooms on the golf course. After a $2.5 million renovation, the municipal golf course reopened in 2020. Since then, the city says around 63,000 rounds of golf were played at the course just last year. It's this increased demand that is the very reason Jennifer O'Brien, who's been a member of the Ladies Golf Association at the course for over 10 years, says the two portable restrooms just aren't enough. And O'Brien isn't alone. A petition called Portalette's Gotta Go currently has over 300 signatures and counting. O'Brien says while men can opt for a close-by tree or bush, women and children don't have the same luxury. She says considering Charleston's reputation as a top tourist attraction, the city needs to do a better job of providing sanitary restrooms. If you think about Charleston, you think about these beautiful city, the pineapples, the palmettos, and then you go to this golf course, which is absolutely stunning and amazing. It's just that the bathrooms on site don't reflect how great of a place that that is and all of the time and effort that the city put into making it a great place. I spoke to Laura Yarborough, the director of recreation for the city of Charleston, who says the city is aware of the golfers' desires to add the restroom, and it's one of the many improvements they would like to make on the course. She says the course has restrooms in their clubhouse, in addition to the two portable restrooms for people to use. There's all kinds of opportunities for improvements. We have certainly identified re restrooms, permanent restrooms on the course as necessary improvements. Yarborough says the city is excited about the great golf course that they do have and will continue to try their best to meet everybody's needs. Reporting live in Charleston, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. A proposed ordinance that aims to make it easier for the city of Charleston to get in touch with landlords is in the process of being revised. Yeah, this comes after it was deferred at Tuesday's council meeting after council members found issue with one of the components. Live 5's Emily Zuhowski tells us what landlords and those who live near rental properties could expect. 
Loud parties, noise, trash and parking problems. Those are just some of the complaints that rental properties on the peninsula have received and the city has found it's been hard to track down those landlords to resolve those issues. For years, a rental registry with a goal of making it easier to contact landlords has been discussed by people who live on the peninsula. Many of the rental properties are licensed under LLCs and often their websites don't have contact information. So when a problem arises at their properties, it's sometimes impossible to get in touch with them. Council hopes a new ordinance could change that. The registry would hold information for a landlord or property manager that lives within 30 miles of Charleston so that they can respond to calls from livability or the police if issues occur at their property. If they don't live in the area, they would have to designate a person that does. Really, it's just essentially a, a way for our livability and our city and our, and our police department to connect with, with landlords. Sacron says the goal is to bring the updated ordinance before council in September and hopefully to have it all finalized in October. Reporting in downtown Charleston, Emily Zuhowski, Live 5 News. Celebrating birthdays this Thursday, former First Lady Rosalind Carter turns 95. Actor Robert Redford turns 86. Actor-comedian Martin Mull turns 79. Comedian-actor Dennis Leary is 65. Actor Christian Slater turns 53. And actor Malcolm Jamal Warner, who will always remember as Theo Huxtable from The Cosby Show, is celebrating his 52nd birthday today. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.